talk about this plan of yours. I think it's good, except it sucks. So let me do the plan, and that way it might be really good. Wow. Dream, 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 a movie by movie and television series by television series hurtled through the Marvel Cinematic Universe. This time, we're taking a look at Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, released in May 2022, when, if you preferred, you could have gone to see Ken Loach at the Cannes Film Festival announcing that his new film would be called The Old Oak, Martin Scorsese announcing plans for a documentary on Emmerich Pressburger and Michael Powell, or Jennifer Aniston refusing to announce an endorsement of Shani Darden's Beverly Hills Salon instead. I'm Tim Worthington, and here's what I had to say about Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness after I saw it. How did they manage to keep all of that quiet? As little as that is, that's what I had to say about it. And joining me to give her thoughts on Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness is watcher of films, Ellie Mae Gadsby. Ellie, where can people find you? I'm on Twitter at Gadders, and then it's two... See, I never know whether it's two L's or two ones. You'll find me. Just look for a Margot Ledbetter gift, and yeah, there I am, basically. Okay, so before we go any further, Ellie, what happens in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness? Oh, God, what doesn't happen? Okay, so this is interesting because you still don't know my feeling on this at all, do you? I've kept this from you. I'm, I'm cruel. I have a cruel streak. It tries to be so many things. It wants to be a horror, but it can't because of the certificate. It wants to be a comedy. It wants to be so many things, and it shouldn't work, but it absolutely does. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I was ripped. And I, with a lot of the Marvel films, I'm very Marmite. I either absolutely love them or hate them. Like Shang-Chi, loved it. But then some of the other Avengers ones, oh, just no, too much happens. And although a lot happens in this, at the same time, not a lot does. If there's not a huge amount of storyline. And yeah, I think that suited my tired brain. It's gloriously silly, I think. And I think you need stuff like this at the moment. You really, really do. Okay, well, I'm obviously not going to ask you what you knew about Doctor Strange or Wanda before you saw this film so ellie how much do you know about now this is interesting i've always called it america chavez based on the fact that's how it's pronounced but apparently it's america chavez so ellie how much do you know about america chavez before you saw this nothing absolutely <laughs> zero <laughs> Oh dear, has that affected things? And what's that? Absolutely not, because as I was saying on another edition of this recently, you know, I thought they were really sort of drilling down when they had people like Gamora in the films. You know, these are like people like America and Moon Knight and a couple of other characters that are coming up. But really, really, you know, even a lot of Marvel fans don't know who a lot of these people are, and yet they're being pushed as the new wave of central characters of the films. Oh, you're making me feel better. I mean, if you're just saying this to be kind, then bless you. Yeah, I've seen, you know, most of them but I ha I'm not you know a devotee I just you know sort of float in and out sort of thing so yeah there were some that I just thought okay you know you're in it but no, if that's the case, then it's made me feel a damn sight better. Well, it's interesting that you actually brought up the one issue that I had with it, because I absolutely loved it, but there's a slight problem with it, which you'll come back to. But my big issue was that it couldn't quite decide what it wanted to be. Mm. Like you say, it didn't go hard enough in on the horror. So, you know, it really just was relegated to jump scares of ugly monsters. Or on the whole <laughs> multiverse thing, which I found a bit like, you know, when you go on holiday and you go to a different pub for a week and yeah. then you're back to your regular one. They didn't really 
weird. I know there was that bit with them flying through all the multiverses where, you know, this is a real deep cut thing. You saw the living tribunal that went past in one of them. who's that big head that sort of looks at them a bit. But the rest of it, it really was like that terrible thing they do in American shows where, you know, they go to an alternate future and everyone's hair is slightly different. Yeah, it was... That trip through there that you just mentioned, I love that. That was splendid. The paints bit in particular, (laughs) it was so, so good. I think I was so distracted, though, by I know this is how he's meant to look in the comics and previous films, but all I could see when I looked at lovely, lovely Benedict was a cross between Piers Brosnan and Ming the Merciless. And I just, that's all I could think whenever I looked at him. (laughs) And I found that slightly distracting. I mean, you know, it's a... I don't know how he does it, but he still made it really, really interesting to watch. But yeah, and the hipster badger that really suits him, so it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's just get the other thing out of the way, because this is something I have promised a few people and will bring up, because I have some slight thoughts about it myself, which is... Now, people have been really divided on this. When I was watching it, I did think about the way Wanda was written. Just at the back of my mind, I thought, you can tell this was written by a man. But a couple of... I did sort of canvas, you know, the regular female guests on this show, Mm. who were almost equally divided between the ones who saw it as the mad mom trope and were not impressed. I know a couple of them had issues with that. Others weren't bothered at all i will say if anyone wants to see a really good discussion about it regular guest on the show hannah flint has a film podcast called fade to black where she talks about what was in the film in relation to the original comic storyline house of m that wonders character arc was taken from i won't spoil anything but you know she really gives a good perspective on that i don't think my take is really relevant here though what did you think of that right i was torn so i had initial thoughts of like i felt a bit sorry for her you know she obviously this is what she wants she can't have it she's you know it's created another world but at the end of the day she just comes across as a narcissistic megalomaniac who wants what she wants and doesn't give a you know what about anybody else and that's not attractive I did I do not like this character one bit I just don't and I can't most characters like this you either got your you know you love to hate ones or you've got ones that you know there's this underlying sort of heart gold thing or there's, there's some redeeming feature there is I'm going to say, there's fuck all to like about this. There's just <laughs> nothing. I was so angry. I just, if I hadn't been in the cinema, and I will rewatch this, and I will do much shouting at my screen when I rewatch it. It's just, oh, God. And it's just, and the way she's portrayed is this sort of like, oh, yeah, we're meant to feel sorry for her. I did feel as if that was what we were trying to get at. But no, I'm just I'm very irritated. There we go. Very by her. I think there is something in that because I mean people have put this to Elizabeth Olsen who got quite annoyed and said well I was playing her as somebody that nobody listens to Ugh. I kind of think Wanda is you know she is the kind of neglected character the disrespected one in some ways but it's not like nobody's ever listened to her she nearly killed Thanos for God's sake she had some really tired lines as well I just felt as though her character just there's some really really clever things going on in this film I just think they wasted so many opportunities with their character. I just think they could have done so much, so much better than sort of... I mean, they basically resurrected Carrie at one point, didn't they? I just, it was just pathetic. And it was just, no, no. There we go. My answer is no. I did not like her. Said it. <laughs> 
What is interesting, though, is a lot of people are said that it's more a Sam Raimi film than a Marvel film. And I kind of wonder if that is what has provoked the polarising opinion. That, you know, there are a lot of things in it that people who love his films will get, will appreciate, even down to the gag appearance of Bruce Campbell and so on. And maybe some of that, I don't know if you're not really familiar with him, might be alienating. I mean, the story there is Scott Derrickson, who directed the first one, mm. was going to do the second one. There were some serious disagreements creatively about it. I think, from what I can gather, he wanted to go really hard in on the horror and they didn't want that at all. He wanted to use Nightmare who's a really nasty character as the main villain and they wanted to pull back from that and so it ended up with Sam Raimi being shot during the pandemic in London and also nothing about it leaked out during that time which is right. amazing. What would you say to that to the Sam Raimi perspective on it? Yeah I, mean, I think you're quite right it does not feel like a Marvel film and maybe that's why I think same, I mentioned it earlier as well with Shang-Chi. That didn't feel like it's a Marvel film either. And I think they're the ones that I maybe sort of been drawn towards. Either sort of like you know, the individual character ones or the ones that, you know, don't bring too much in. And I think I'm really disappointed that they didn't go more down the horror route. I really am. And I just, I understand they're trying to appeal to a wide audience. But I just think, you know, oh, I don't know. Could they not just do, you know, they've got enough money. They could do two films for us. They could do one that's, you know, like an after hours one. I'm going to write to them as Yes, I think. What do you think? Well, you never know. But my main <laughs> problem with that is that, admittedly, they were both TV shows, but they've already done. There was season four of Agents of Shield, you know, which had Ghost Rider in, they Possessed Souls, and The Darkhold, which recurs in this. Yeah. You know, by really full in on the horror, not the traditional horror. There was like a body horror storyline in it as well, and a psychological one where it was like kind of a prototype. Well, it was the episode was actually called What If, where it was what if they'd all joined Hydra instead of Shield, which, you know, in its way was sort of a horror horror thing they've done that there's also been hellstrom which nobody nobody upon nobody watched but you know that's about the devil's children so it is that's possible to do these <laughs> it came out during the height of the pandemic as well so yeah it was really uplifting viewing <laughs> but you know it's not like they've not done that so i'm a bit puzzled as to why they were so tepid about it in because they're going to have to confront that eventually because you know there's a blade movie in the works mm. they're gonna have to reuse ghost rider and people like that so it's got to come into it down the line but yeah they just seem to just get a bit nervous about that yeah can I just tell you two things I absolutely love about this film first thing the I hate to use the word banter I said it there we go I'm using the word banter between Stephen Strange and his friend Wong I mean oh god it's just I love it I absolutely love that relationship it's just perfect they don't do the typical American thing of making it too cheesy too schmaltzy it's just yeah absolutely spot on that really makes it for me and also the look on patrick stewart's face when he comes in on his motorized scooter professor x he is hamming it up a tree i just you just know he enjoyed that and when you're watching somebody who is blatantly loving what they're doing you just you relax don't you as an audience member and that makes you enjoy it so much more and yeah he just shone in that i loved it i wish he'd been in that much much more I really do maybe that's the key just having a little taster well I will come back to Wong in a second but that was the big moment for a lot of people was the bit with the Illuminati mm. I appreciate that did get spoiled pre 
pretty quickly after the first day. But if you're lucky enough to see it then, people were gasping in the screening I was at when Reed Richards came on. Yeah. Genuinely, it was like a moment of shock. You know, you've got, like you say, Patrick Stewart actually out of the non-Marvel X-Men franchise. Hayley Atwell just looking astonishing as Captain Carter from What If. Lashana Lynch as the alternate Captain Marvel, which they kind of dropped hints in the promotion for Captain Marvel that that might happen at some point. Mm. Chiwetelli Ejiofor as an alternate Mordo who appears to think Doctor Strange is his Bessie, and the one nobody expected, who is Anson Mount, reappearing as Black Bolt, as in the disastrous Inhumans TV series. And they have actually stated, because a lot of people are very keen to say, oh, well, if he's in another universe, that means Inhuman wasn't canon after all and we don't have to watch it we forget about it and they've officially said no that's an alternate version of the trendy New York version of Black Bolt you <laughs> saw in Inhumans and you've got to live with it but I love that they brought him back because of all the characters that you know that have fallen by the wayside that they could have brought back the Inhumans were the ones I least expected <laughs> I'm guessing you have never watched that and want to avoid it like another universe but what did you think of all of them particularly John Krasinski as Reed Richards because I was astonished by how comfortably he seemed to fit into that role. This was another bit I loved and I think oh, this is going to sound really dark but I think the bit I really liked was all the sort of like Final Destination style deaths and they were just, they were hilarious and again it, it was sort of, you know, this is where the horror and the comedy really came together. It was just, that was very well done. I really, really enjoyed that section. Yeah, that was Oh, just brilliant. I was properly laughing out loud and realised how dark I am at that point. So. <laughs> and the other, well, they aren't actually a group of characters yet, but in this, you know, you've not just got America, you've got Tommy and Billy, Wanda's children. Also recently, we've had Kate Bishop introduced in Hawkeye. Although he's not Patriot yet, Patriot is in The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. A couple of suggestions of other Young Avengers coming. They're clearly planning to do the Young Avengers. And what I thought is interesting is, obviously, that will take a couple of years to get off the ground to film. And they've cast Billy and Tommy slightly younger obviously thinking they'll be about 13, 14 by the time we make whether it's a series or a film and I think you know people are saying when will the next Avengers film come along I think it's going to be the Young Avengers my friend that I went with was actually saying similar but uh, oh my goodness her children they gave me the creeps but that was like, a <laughs> good thing they were perfectly cast they were oh gosh they reminded me of the state of Witch Mountain the children that were in that, that like, yes uh, I've not thought that you're absolutely right yeah, yeah. that piercing otherworldly sort of look about them they got that perfectly so yeah really really impressed with them This is a good point then to mention that this is something that's come up quite a lot is the idea that it was too dependent on what had happened in one division. And you know, when I left, there were a lot of blokes saying to women, they dragged along, mm, of course, you can't properly understand it if you've not seen one division or Loki. And like, it doesn't even reference Loki at all. In fact, apparently, a Loki cameo was filmed for this and then cut, you know, because they decided doing a season two of Loki, so they changed what's going to happen with him. But I don't think you really needed to see one division because it just established that she's looking for these children and she's become you know a more dangerous and powerful witch and that's it yeah I haven't seen well I've seen bits of WandaVision because my children are glued to it and I've seen bits of Loki so yeah I absolutely I didn't feel a disadvantage one bit in a way it might even be better because the film's meant you know although it is part of the whole franchise it is still meant to be something that you can watch as a standalone film it's meant to be you know appreciated by the average layperson 
person. So I think the fact that I hadn't seen it put me at almost an advantage, maybe, in that sense. Well, yeah, I don't like people taking that kind of... It's a bit gatekeepery, really. I think they do do these explanations, these nods to backstories really well. It's like everyone is reintroduced every time. I don't buy this idea that you have to watch everything in order. You know, it's it's not Twin Peaks, is it? Well, there are different theories, aren't there? I mean, you, when I sort of started watching these, I had a look on the internet, as you do, and, yeah, there were people obviously sort of saying, right, well, this is the order that you watch them in. However, this is the order you should watch them in. And then this is the order you watch them chronologically. And So, you know, it's. I think it depends what you want from the films and each to their own. It's sort of like everybody you choose your own adventure books. Is that, <laughs> well, it is, though, you know, there's no hard and fast rules and that's as it should be, each to their own. And, yeah, I like that that's the option available to us. I will say, though, that having once tried to watch everything in story order, you know, you get things like, you get the episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. that fit around the films, literally, and, you know, that's fine. But then yeah. you get into the thing of, in the Netflix series, you know, you've got Rosario Dawson as Claire Temple, Night Nurse, dipping between the series. So that means that you'll have to watch, like, three episodes of Luke Cage, then one of Daredevil, then one of Iron Fist, then back to Luke Cage. Oh, no, that way madness lies, I can assure <laughs> you of that. So what was your favourite part? Tell me what your favourite part was, Tim. Well, I mean, my absolute favourite part was the Illuminati. And I also loved just little bits. I actually really loved the alternate Christine Palmer in the other universe. Because I kind of felt Christine wasn't given enough character in the initial Doctor Strange film. And in some ways, she's the smartest character, apart from Wong, because Wong is absolutely brilliant. And I love the fact he's become like the unexpected breakout character of the whole franchise because everything it's in it just seems to get better and better funnier and funnier but it's her who really holds the answer to everything and also gives Stephen Strange some closure that he's never had mm. I would say in his life before and that as we'll come back to that enables him to apparently move on in one of the post credit scenes but I mean I loved America every moment she was on screen some of the one liners she got as well Sochil Gomez really nails that thing of being a, you know a, a kid who overcomes compensates for she's got massive insecurity because she lost her mothers in the multiverse which again you know they just casually mention obviously because you know they've cast her younger than the character will be as well yeah. they've not mentioned the fact that she's gay in the comics yet but obviously okay. it references her mother's being and you know she's lost them in the multiverse so she's covering for that with a real kind of blabbermouth overconfident almost like street criminal style you know she's trying to run away from Doctor Strange and Wong at the beginning yeah. just sneaking opportunities to get away you know I thought she was fantastic but it really was alternate Christine that really really kind of got through to me I think I loved her character but at the only time I got slightly annoyed was whether in the polycarbonate fishbowl things and yeah America was in there and Wanda was coming for them and she was trying to get her out there and just like that's the safest place leave yeah. her <laughs> the impenetrable place but no no let's all get oh, oh I know I know that adds to the story but that was the only time I was annoyed with it. no excellent character I love that America just wouldn't shut up even inside there as well. I don't think they've made enough of you just touched on that obviously her two mothers were taken and the guilt that she carries and I just I think the feelings we were supposed to have for Wanda I felt for America I just think there was so much more they could have sort of made of that part of it and it was really really touching and for such a young girl to have gone through that and to continue going through that as well as all of her powers and 
gosh, it's just, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing that character develop. I really am. I also really like as well that apparently some territories wanted that scene reshot so that she has a mother and a father. Oh. And Disney oh, surprisingly point blank refused and said, you can have the film as it is or not at all. Good. And Benedict Cumberbatch in an interview when somebody was a bit flippant with him about it said, well, that shows that tokenism is a sham. You know, it's just a, a buzzword people use. There is no tokenism because people are still wildly offended by the existence of these perfectly ordinary people. I thought, given he's not got 100% of a solid track record of saying the right thing at times. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well done him, I think. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God, what a nonsense, though, to, for that to be a thing still. That's just, oh, no, good for them, good for them. The only thing, right at the beginning, when they're at the wedding, and the wedding guests will look out the window and they see Doctor Strange doing his thing with his like, Why was nobody more surprised? It was just as though someone has just said, oh, yeah, like, there's a hot air balloon out there. Should we go and have a little squiz? It was just like, nobody was at all amazed by this. But, you know, maybe that's it. <laughs> that is something, well, funny enough, seeing Brie Richards debut in this is that I don't think they've quite established whether the characters they've got at the moment are that well known to the public or not because on the one hand you know you've got the argument between Tony Stark and Bruce Banner about Ben and Jerry naming ice creams after them (laughs) that sort of thing there's references to Yelena makes jokes about Natasha in Black Widow having been in photo shoots and so on but there's other characters who appear to be completely under the radar and then again even amongst them you've got you know newspaper headlines about Luke Cage and Jessica Jones and Daredevil somehow nothing about the mysterious Iron Fist roaming the street (laughs) yeah they haven't quite worked out yet and obviously my big problem with how the Fantastic Four have been done in the past is in the comics they love being A-list celebrities they're going to have to decide when the Fantastic Four come along if they do them correctly who is well known and who isn't and I think Stephen Strange has a lot of ambiguity over you don't get people in the other films taking selfies outside the Sanctum Sanctorum but in this they act as though everyone in America knows who he is because yeah. he defeated Thanos and it doesn't quite add up really no no I agree with that definitely yeah I've got one more question for you do you have a favourite line from this film I do mine is holy shit you married Christine which for some reason <laughs> that just made me erupt laughing because it wasn't what you expected from a kind of subordinate teenage character to show that level of disrespect to the well he's not actually the Sorcerer Supreme anymore is he well mine also relates to Christine and it's the line I love you in every universe. That was a beautiful line. And also, oh. I love the contrast between him and the kind of Miss Havisham Doctor Strange <laughs> that he basically <laughs> had to rescue her from. Oh, can we just have a moment for, I'm going to say the makeup, it probably isn't makeup, it was CGI, whatever. It's when he inhabits, so when he's dreamwalking into his corpse, that was outstanding. The way his face was, oh, yeah, that. I love that. That's the sort of thing that appeals. More of that, please. I'm glad you clarified it was CGI after saying it wasn't makeup. (laughs) That would leave people with very disturbing image. I'm very old. I think we could have done a bit more with the music in this. Is it Danny Elfman? Yes, yeah. yeah. And obviously it's Michael Giacchino in the first one. His is one of the few Marvel cinema scores I actually own the CD of. Okay. And you can listen to again and again. I don't know if we're buying this one. It just didn't grab me as much. No, no. And there's usually some really, really good... You know, I mean, some of the Marvel films, the music is just like something like Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, just... That's fantastic. Absolutely brilliant. But no, I was really disappointed in this. It just sort of... Meh, that's... 
So, no, they lost me on that. But I'm going to give this a score. Would you like a score? I'm giving it an 8.5 out of 10. I'd probably agree with that, but we also get there are two post credit scenes. Yes. People are standing up and leaving. <laughs> amateurs. <laughs> oh. To be fair, the last couple of them have been... I've got theories about why this is, but they put trailers at the end instead of a final scene, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they've obviously... Because they've changed their plans and moved things around, you know, like Loki being taken out of this, it's obviously been something that no longer makes sense. But the first one of these, literally, after the cliffhanger of him developing a third eye, Charlie's <laughs> the Ron shows up as clear and basically just says, yeah, you've created a big mess. Are you going to come and help me? And he basically, he's kind of like, well, hey, I could be in here yeah and the second one which i wondered if people were divided on this i howled laughing at it it's bruce campbell finally the punching spell wears off (laughs) that's it it's over it's like the the end of the spider-man homecoming when captain america does that thing about patience (laughs) to wait for things how many more of these have we got to see? It's like that. It's like kind of rewarding you for staying to the end. At the same time, it's making fun of you. <laughs> that was good, yeah. Oh, there was a real, really good amount of humour in this film. And yeah, I think it needed it. It had to not take itself too seriously, and it doesn't. And hence my score. Okay, well, there's only one thing left for me to ask now. Ellie, if you had the ability to kick star-shaped portals between universes, what would you use it for? Oh, gosh. I... Would am I allowed to go back and see my former self? You can do. I assume you'd be imparting some wisdom. Absolutely, yes. I <laughs> I would go back and see my former eighteen year old self and tell her to say yes to everything. I'll say <laughs> no more. <laughs> I don't even want to know. Ellie, you If you've enjoyed this, don't forget you can buy more editions of It's Good Accepted Sucks and plenty more besides, including details of my book Can't Help Thinking About Me at timworthington.org.